Mm-hmm. All right, hello, idiots on parade. These two ugly for TV podcast. Hi, Jake. How's it going? All is well here. And hello, Doug. We have a, a special guest, comedian and hypnotist, Doug Thompson. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thanks for being on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. And Doug works out with Jake's brothers. Brother. Yeah. Oh no shit. Yeah. I train That's with your awesome. brothers. They beat me up all the time, man. They're they're fucking animals, man. <laughs> they that they are. So what is it? Jujitsu? What is it? Yeah, jujitsu. Oh, yeah. I was there um I've been there two years, so I know them well. Yeah. You've been there two That's years. That's awesome, man. Yeah. But not for two months. <laughs> No, but it, I haven't been there for almost two months now. That's going to be rough going back. That's I'm not looking forward to going back. So, yeah, I need I need to get back. And I've been doing the opposite of that the last two years. I've been uh, <laughs> cooking a lot of uh, like like heavy carb food, and uh, you, you know not running so much. Sort of the opposite of grappling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hit uh, my peak was I gained ten pounds, and when I when I I, I mean I knew I was getting bigger. And when I finally stepped on the scale, I'm like, all right. And then I started dialing it back this week, where it's like I, I was absolutely eating just shit all the time because that's what you do. I was making cookies. I was eating donuts. Yeah. Boredom eating. It's boredom. Yeah. You walk it's by the fridge st- and you're like, I should just stop. Go. Yep. Quarantine 15. That's what everybody's putting on right now. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, Doug, quickly, I said you were a comedian and hypnotist, double threat. Uh, if you were a modern dancer, you'd be a triple threat. Yes. A quick promote yourself, hit your website, and we will jump into some news stories. Uh, website you are the letter U, the letter R, sleepy.com, and then Instagram at Doug T or uh, at Doug T Comedy, and on Facebook, Doug Thompson Hypnosis. So. But if you go to you are sleepy, that'll be, you'll have links to yeah. all your other places, right? So there yeah. you go. And, uh, yeah, well, just quick question, because I didn't, um, is it strictly entertainment hypnosis, or do you hire yourself out for, uh, hey, I need to quit smoking? I've done that. I, I had an office for a while, but I kind of got out of that. Um, you know, I always felt bad for people, because they'd come in, and, and the first thing I always did, I'm never a money grab guy, but they'd be like, hey, uh, I want to quit, and I'd ask them why, and as soon as they say, well, my family wants me to, I'd just tell them it's not going to work. It's, it's not going to work, you know? So Yeah, if you're not on rock bottom, then what's the point? No. If you don't want to do it for you, then you're not going to do it. Exactly. Because hypnosis isn't mind control. I now make you act like a chicken. It's, I want to do this or I am able to do this. You're just giving suggestions, correct? That's all it is, suggestibility, yeah. Putting them in the moment, the time, making them visualize it, and then they do it. So, yeah. It's not magic. So do you ever maybe try to get a hold of their family and be like, listen... They're doing it for you. So what I need you to do is sort of like emotionally, mentally, and physically abuse them. So you know what I mean? So they have a little more fucking push on on that end. Um, I, ha- I haven't tried that technique, but I should. No, usually what I say to them is uh, you have to want it for yourself. And, and sometimes I've done it for people. But what I do is start to get that emotional side. I try and get that emotional side out of them by telling them they're going to lose their family. I kind of take them to a really dark spot in their mind. Sure. And if they don't get emotional right then, I know like mm, this ain't going to work. Cause usually people will cry when they're under it. If you take them to those, you know, I take them, I kind of do a fork in the road and I have them go one way where their family is. And then I have them go another way and say, your family's not here anymore. It's just all these people. So even you're saying, even when they're hypnotized, you'll, you'll, you'll do that and they, and they won't give a shit. Yep. Yep. 
Wow. So you're you're saying you'll hypnotize them. They'll go to like the deepest depths of their soul, but even down there, they're still just uh, Christian Bale from American Psycho going, I just want a cigarette and the perfect business yeah. card. Yeah. Fuck my entire family and all of humanity. That happens, yeah. And I can nice. usually tell once... I mean, a lot of people do get emotional, and you're like, okay, I've really touched a button here. But then when they don't, they just kind of don't show anything. I'm like, oh, this this person, this doesn't, it ain't going to matter to them. So, really? Yeah, cigarettes, man, they have a powerful hold on a lot of people. They won't give it up. For, oh, yeah. I smoked for, fuck, man, I I, I think like 11 years, something like that. I, I smoked for maybe 13, 14 to like 25. Yeah. Yeah. That's just tough to quit, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. First thought I had when you said you take them to a deep, dark place, I'm like, <laughs> oh, you mean where comedians live? That was my, uh, Yeah. I didn't want to sure. interrupt you, but that's exactly where my <laughs> mind went. Yeah. Well, that's kind of this is called a comedy club on a weekday. Uh, <laughs> this is what your life will be like if you continue to smoke cigarettes. This is what the inside of your lungs looks like. This is what, a Wednesday night comedy club. Yeah. Or go there at three in the afternoon and look at it and you're like, oh, my God, I work here. <laughs> Jesus, there's jizz and blood everywhere here. No wonder they keep the lights low. Pretty goddamn much. All right. Well, our listeners are listeners because this is a podcast but we are on video chat right now and uh it wasn't going to do this was supposed to just be us talking but now that the three of us are here i think doug and i need to have an intervention with jake um jake we see a bottle of bleach in your background (laughs) are you uh, trying to cure your coronavirus what do you got going on back there i stand with my president listen uh he said to do it I've been sort of bleaching the insides for, for, for many, many weeks since this coronavirus started accidentally. By that, I mean I, I went to Trader Joe's and got about 50 bottles of wine for under $10. It's basically the same thing. Uh, I've been drinking a little bit of bleach that they've been fermenting with grapes and selling to poor people like me for cheap. And I don't have the fucking coronavirus, so I may not agree with Donald Trump on much. But I agree with him on the bleach thing. It's been working for me. I've been drinking the equivalent cheap wine from Trader Joe's, and I don't have bad aids yet. So I think he's correct. Oh, good for you. But let's talk about that. We talked about uh, the the idea of drinking bleach last week, where the, the, the deal is he did not say drink bleach, but people are going to hear what they want to hear. And when we recorded last week, it was pretty new. And now a week has gone by, and I sent you guys some links. Yes, it was in the news. I I sent three separate stories, and I know there are more out there. But the point is, people were trying to defend him, saying he did not say to drink bleach. And our counter was, right, but when you suggest something. And yeah, during the week, uh, poison control centers got phone calls. Hospitals saw an uptick. There were a couple guys in Georgia that drank bleach, specifically saying they were trying to keep the coronavirus at bay it didn't even say whether or not they had the coronavirus i believe they might not have even had it and then there's there's, uh, my favorite they were just tiktokers trying to get fucking likes and uh (laughs) didn't even know the president said anything they were just like they they were dancing around to mumble rap and like you thought the tie pod video was crazy check this out and now they're like they're darlings of, of of 4chan and they're like i i wasn't no i wasn't making a political statement at all i don't listen to trump at all uh, but then they can cash in. But the, the, my favorite one was there was a, and I and I use air quotes, a church in Florida. They said they had a church, but it wasn't a real church, um, that was selling industrial strength bleach <laughs> as a miracle cure. So 
you you put nice. something out there, and the dumbest of the dumb will respond. We can't have congregation, but we can sure cleanse your body. Come on down and buy a bucket. What the hell? It's white, the color of Jesus. <laughs> Drink it. <laughs> You'll puke out a stain that has Jesus's picture in it. <laughs> I saw the Virgin Mary in my blood vomits from the Clorox. This shit really does work. It's God speaking to us through the president. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it, it's interesting because nothing bombastic happened this week. And usually there's something that is said or done that can be talked about. But that one was so, well, actually, there is one that was but that one was so big and so absurd that it seemed to have reined him in a little bit. Not not entirely, but a little bit. Do you think that? Well, I. Oh, he has sorry, handlers now that are telling him to shut up. He's never listened to him before. But do you think even he has sort of looked in the mirror and said, "Okay, that one got away from me. Maybe, maybe just sort of uh, dial back the uh, free form in it." <laughs> I don't know, but I think like somewhere Axel Rose is going. Well, at least I never did that shit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just made him wait three hours for a concert. Yeah. I never said anything I'm not stupid. The, I'm not the biggest orangest idiot on this fucking planet. Yeah. I don't give a shit what Slash and Duff say. I can prove them wrong with that last press conference. Hey, I read both Slash's and Duff's book. Slash's was pretty boring, but Duff's book was really good. He's really, yeah, yeah. He's he's quite the dude, really. I mean, I didn't realize he was from Seattle until later on in life, but. Yeah, and he, he writes uh, he, daily columns. He used to write for ESPN, I believe. So when it came time to write a book, it wasn't just uh, Duff McGagan throws his name on a book someone else wrote. Yeah. He actually sat down and wrote it, and uh, it's immensely readable. Huh. Nice. Slash's book uh, was more, it was pretty much like Anthony Kiedis's book. And the problem I had with each of their books is they were addicted to heroin for a very, very long time. And they told you about it in real time in the book, Ugh. which was I was addicted to heroin, but then I kicked it, but then I relapsed, but then I kicked it, and then I relapsed, and then I was like, you know what? Just make it one chapter. One chapter of from 1990 to 2003, I uh, was on and off heroin this many times. Just tell the story. But to, to, So you're saying that it, not everybody on heroin is as good as author as Hunter S. Thompson? Doesn't always work <laughs> no, out? Not everybody's saying, Bukowski? Yes. Some people are just drunks you've never heard of? I'm just saying <laughs> by the time, writing? you know, Slash is saying, and then I relapsed for the 41st time, you're like, okay, we get it. You know, like, could you just, like, say you relapsed 14 times over the course of 14, like, instead of... Every time yeah. you think something interesting is going to happen, he breaks off for another 10 pages of being on heroin, and you're like... It's and it's no different from the last ten pages of being on heroin or the the ten before that or that it's it's they're both very redundant books on on his hair on heroin addiction. I do not blame Slash for that. I blame whoever the editor was because I think I or you know what fuck that. Not even that. I'm going one step higher. I'm going I'm going to the producer because I believe what the producer did was they were like, how much money do we have for this book? Okay. We're going to give about 99.9 .9 of this to Slash for writing the book. And then we will hire an editor and everybody else just off of Craigslist. I will get fucking <laughs> dummies that will work for Salami. Okay? That is that is our plan for everybody else involved. And whereas if it was a decent editor, they'd be like, hey, Slash, seeing as you only write hair metal band songs and this is your first book, let me help you out here a bit. 
I'm an editor. This is what I do. I'm editing chapter all the times I relapse down to a page and a half. You know, like that's what any decent editor would have done. You just fucking basically did that and you're not an editor. You're, 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 you're editor day minus zero. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you're not even planning on being an editor. You just edited that fucking book for fun. Just on a whim. You did that man's job. Yeah. And he still didn't fucking do that. They should have. Um, not that it's anything, but let me just quick tell you the, cause it just popped into my head literally right now. The, the best part about Duff McGegan's book is I, I read Dave Mustaine's book. Also, I, I read a lot of, uh, hair <laughs> band stories, I guess. Um, was it the editor? I'm guessing the best part was the editor. No, they, uh, they, no. they, they learned from Slash's book and they're like, fuck that. We ain't hiring Tony again. I know. I know he'll work for half a pound of prosciutto. OK, that's not the issue. The prosciutto is not the issue. It's the product. It, no, the best thing about Duff's book, it was the worst thing about Dave Mustaine's book. It was responsibility. Dave Mustaine spent the entire book being angry at Metallica for kicking him out. Even <laughs> even at the end, he was still and fuck Lars Ulrich. Um Duff McGagan said, yeah, Axel pulled some shit, but you know what? I was a grown man. I should have known better. You know, I signed when I don't know if you guys know the story, but there was a point when Axel Rose was not going to do a concert unless they signed a contract signing over the name Guns and Roses to him. And no Duff way. could have said, fuck Axel for that. What a piece of shit. He held it. But he said, you know what? Axel did what he did. I could have said no, but I signed the paper. So that's on me. I mean, he took responsibility for everything. He, right. I mean, he, he yeah, that is it. kind of a dummy move signing that fucking thing. You know? Well, I mean, he said I was drunk at the time. I was on, you know, he said right. I was a drunk. But anybody else would have blamed Axel. Axel was such a dick holding us hostage at that concert. Duff said, yeah, Axel was kind of a dick, but, you know, I'm an adult. I could have walked away. I could have canceled the show. In retrospect, when... Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it was a very self-aware book, and that's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I mean, I I, I think after a while, you kind of have to look at that, look back at that as as somebody who's grown and matured and been like, okay, a guy who constantly fucks us over and throws temper tantrums and is like two hours late to the show because he's hanging out in his dressing room... uh, He's, he's holding the show hostage because he wants all the rights to Guns N' Roses. Yeah, he probably won't fuck us over with this signature in the future. Yeah, why not? I'll give it to him. Wait, he's such a nice guy. Why would Axl Rose ever fuck me over when the band pulls apart? No. He wouldn't do that. Happen. Not the Axl I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seems like a nice guy. Well, I... Uh... I don't know. I don't want to say Duff's book helped me, but I, I try to look back at most things that have fucked up in my life and see where I can take responsibility for it. I know that. Like, uh, uh, one big example for me personally is Los Angeles. I moved out there to, quote, make it. And I thought you just went uh, to the improv and the comedy store, did your set, and went home. I, it was my fault. I didn't hang out. I didn't mingle. I, I should have lived at the improv and gotten to know people and and networked and networked and networked and networked. I had a job, so I'd be like, oh, yeah, I got to get back. I got to get up early. That, so, you know, I, I could have been bitter and said, man, I was on stage. The audience fucking laughed at me. Yeah, they did, but you got to put in the time. That's on me. I look back at it and go, that was on me. Yes, I had to get up early, but if I had really wanted it, I did really want it. I just didn't know how to go about it. So it's a matter. I, I look at it. I take that's that's. Just something that makes me think of is personal responsibility. Do you have any stories like that where you, you can look back and say, ooh, I m- could say that I was fucked over, but the responsibility was actually mine? Oh, my past is littered with those. Are you kidding me? I don't want to bring them up, though. 
My therapist well, I mean, said don't talk don't, about them anymore. <laughs> you don't have to talk about them. I'm just saying a lot of people go through life without that realization. Some people get to that point and they still blame. They're, they're, either, either you look inward or you point fingers. And I think a lot of people point fingers for their entire life. I feel like you're talking about somebody that said something about bleach recently. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not bleach, but I wish I had Trump's confidence because... I said he didn't uh, make any bleach-like blunders this past week, but he, I wish I had his confidence. He said that Obama left him with flawed and broken coronavirus tests. And when the reporter pointed out that's impossible because coronavirus didn't exist, Trump doubled down. He said, oh, no, no, broken tests. This is, is how do you do that? How, I mean, that, that's, that's a gift. There is genius there. You know who's more confident than him or has the same confidence? My dog, when he scoots his ass right across the floor, right in front of me. That's what I think. It's like, this dog is so confident that I'm not going to get up and go, what the hell? That's like Trump. He just thinks, I can just get away with this no matter what. Well, but even, you even your dog wouldn't suggest to a medical advisor in a, in a White House press conference uh, briefing that we should inject... Uh, Clorox or whatever. But yeah, I like, didn't. That was just crazy. I didn't say that we should. I said maybe we can look into it, like shining a bright light yeah. <laughs> in the body. <laughs> I mean, it's just so crazy. Like the guy's up there, he's just sort of having a brainstorming session on stage. Which forget the even the, even the bleach comment. I mean, even if he didn't say anything like stupid in in and of itself, like like a stupid sentence, right. so to say. I mean, just like, dude, why, why are you why are you brainstorming during a press conference about anything? Like, this is a talk you have before and after the conference. What are you what, what are you doing right now? So even even bring any of that up was fucking dumb. Well, it's almost like a kid that lies a lot. Like, you know, we've all known habitual liars and delusional people, and they'll start talking, and you're going, "Does this person even realize that we all know that this isn't this can't happen or didn't happen?" And they keep talking about it. It's like, are they the, are they the only ones in the room that doesn't know? You think that was his way of of sort of doing a bad job of making it seem like he had gone to the meeting before the briefing, but he was actually banging some uh, Estonian model somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> it's like he reads Cliff. He's like a kid that just shows up for a book report and just read the Cliff yeah. Notes. But Exactly. But your buddy pranked you by saying, yeah, dude, where the red fern grows. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's about a, a, a gardening store. Yeah, go in there and talk about that. <laughs> talk about the gardening store. <laughs> Well, I mean, it just uh, came out this week that um, we've been saying that uh, we were warned about the coronavirus and you go back to the timeline when he was saying it was a hoax, that it was in daily briefings several times in, I think they said January. And we've known this from the beginning. I mean, from the beginning of his presidency is he does not read the daily briefings. He just sort of says, give me the overview. He wants someone to tell him. And if you have advisors that have agendas they're going to tell him what he wants to hear or what they want him to hear right and so whoever fills the briefings with what he needs to hear might not always get through completely agree yeah and then he gets on stage and he treats you you say like a brainstorming session uh we're all comedians he treats the the press conference like a like an open microphone where he's trying out new ideas. That's how I relate it. I, I I swear he's like he reminds me when he first started doing speeches of somebody that's never done a corporate event and is standing up there just going for it. And they've never been in a corporate event and they're just like, "Oh, you know what? I'm just going to throw caution to the wind." <laughs> 
Yeah, a lot of lot, lot of writing on stage. Yeah, but it's terrible, and people are going, "What the L- hell?" A lot is of he working saying? out new campaign slogans and shit. <laughs> or it's it's it, that that's a good analogy. But another one could be if you go back to the open mic, it's like the guy from the corporate world whose buddies all say, "Hey, you should get on stage. You're funny," and he doesn't write anything down. He's like, "Yeah, I'm good on my feet," and then gets on stage for the first time, and then just has to riff and is like, "Ooh." Five minutes becomes really long when you don't know what to say. Oh no! Well, to be fair, I mean, to uh, you know, if the uh, the analogy gets too literal, it doesn't work anymore. I think the guy's fucking hilarious, man. Like he says funny shit. He says funny shit off the cuff. I'm just saying it's terrifying that he's in charge of a country and uh, is responsible for pulling us through a pandemic. I, I, even though I think the guy's a shitty human being and wouldn't vote for him in any way, shape, or form, I sort of get the appeal to having a guy like that when all things comparatively are going well. If the economy's on an uproar and you're like, this guy, this business guy, this sort of Wall Street fucking orange cartoon from the 80s, he's going to make us richer because he's going to help the markets and it's going to trickle down and all that. He's going to make us rich. And I'm going to get a piece of that. My kids are going to get a piece. I I get why a guy like that sort of works for some people when things are going well. But I mean, I would, I would like, I would guess that many people who fucking liked him when things were going great, don't feel the most comfortable with that guy in, in a crisis. He is, he's the absolute worst fucking guy that you want in the office during a crisis. But what, Jake, what you just said is exactly why he was never going to work because he is the ultimate con guy that always dives. He may grab something here, but everything he touches ultimately ends up down there or he doesn't own really any of it. He's not doing the work. The work he does do, he just screws everybody. And that's the ultimate con guy. Is like, hey, this guy would be great, but when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of crisis, Anything. He just shits the bed every time. Right. But before this, it was almost like he couldn't really fuck as much up because things were more or less on autopilot compared to now. I'm not saying he couldn't fuck anything up and didn't fuck anything up. Right. But compared to the um, now we need somebody to react. Now there's something very fucking serious that is going to affect more or less every single person in the country. Um, lives are on, on the line. Like we need you to fucking step up and knock it out of the park as, as a leader in the, the public sector, because before it was the whole thing to, Oh, he's not a politician. He's a businessman. So he's going to help wall street and that's going to help our economies and shit. And it's like, this one was not a direct wall street thing. Yeah. Now the economy's fucked. Cause no one can go outside. Right. Just like if he somehow got us nuked by every fucking major power on the planet. Yeah stock market wouldn't be doing great after a month of that, but that's, it wasn't directly an economic thing that caused this. And so, I mean, yeah, indirectly the stock market ended up getting fucked because of this, but um, this was something to where it's like, Oh, Oh, he has to do shit other than give us jobs. Right. Other than make the, make the private sector run. Well, there's public sector shit and he has zero experience. Like public sector shit is what you really fucking need in a crisis, and that's what he had no experience in. I get that he had experience in the public sector. Right. The guy does know about business. I know people do just kind of paint him out as, oh, he's this kind of shill. He just pretends to be a business guy. Some of that's true. Some of it's not. There's a fucking reason the guy has his name across fucking skyscrapers in Manhattan. That guy, he does, he fucking knows business. You know, like, I, you do well, got to give that to him. I'd interrupt you because I'd say he knows marketing. Um, yeah. 
Right. What what Doug, I think, to try and bridge the two of you, uh, Doug is right. I mean, we're talking about a guy that bankrupted a casino, which is near impossible because all the money goes to the house. Um, he bankrupted all his businesses, and so what he learned to do a, as a good marketing and, and maybe good as business is he stopped using his own money because he kept losing money, and he would uh, someone else builds the towers that he has his name on now. He might have a very small percentage, but they're not like Trump-owned towers. They're generally— Right, but either way, that's still kind of a part of business, like it marketing is, yeah, yourself, whatever. Like, if you— if you got your name on a fucking tower, like a straight up skyscraper, you, you obviously had something going at some point. You know, that, that's all I'm trying to say there in terms of the private sector. He at least knows, even if it's a con, even if it's whatever, he knows the private sector. He knows how to manipulate it, even if it's to fucking bankrupt whatever the hell he's doing, even if it's to just make him and his kids rich, whatever. He at least he at least knows it in and out. What he fucking doesn't know for shit and has no experience in is the the public sector and that's what they fucking put him at the head of and it's it's now we're, now we're getting to see what the 80s money cartoon does to us in a crisis but that's yeah. what, and, what, and because to, to bring your point home all he's done you said on autopilot because the economy has been not on autopilot but pretty obama saved the country and he's been coasting along on that and so for the first three years of his presidency all he really did was hold rallies he just went around and campaigned for 2020. That's all he did. And then something happened and he had to act. And that's why it all fell apart, because other people were sort of running the country. He would go and sign an executive order saying uh, immigration's bad. Um, but other than that, <laughs> advisors and other people were the government. And he would just go from city to city and yell into a microphone at arenas. That's all he's done for three years is basically been propaganda. And now he is expected to lead and it's not working. And to, and to circle back on um, what I said, do I think the guy, I, we don't know how well he's done. He won't show anybody his, there's a reason he's not showing things. And I don't think it's because he doesn't, is not paying the, I don't think he has nearly as much money as he quotes. The people that wrote the book about him, dude, he sued those people. And they said, you can sue us. We got your tax. Because one day he'd say he's worth $2 billion, One day he'd say he was worth $5 billion. You know, it's just, it's, it said ever con. And I don't know. Yeah, I hate you know, the guy. I've, I've hated him. I've well said before this many times on the show. I've been saying it ever since he fucking got elected. I don't know why the Democrats aren't hammering the tax return thing harder because I think, I think there's probably, if I had to guess, there's a lot worse things in there than, oh, he, he only has a few hundred million dollars and he's not a billionaire. Like, I don't, I don't think, I think there's like a lot of, oh, He's got straight up, um, you know, ties to really shady characters overseas, particularly Russia. If, if they want to look for a, a collusion angle, I mean, I, I guess that would be a, a way to go. But they they wanted to keep fucking hammering this. Oh, he was he was colluding, trying to get them to fucking make f uh, fake Facebook memes and and uh, getting WikiLeaks to do this and that. And it's like, dude, you're that is going to be tough to prove, not not suspect, but actually prove. And I, if you want fucking concrete ties to, hey, here's him straight up in bed with nefarious characters, I think it's going to come from those tax returns. And and they kind of let that fall by the wayside. They want to yell about um, co collusion due to WikiLeaks. They want to yell about Stormy Daniels, all this other shit. I'm like, what do you, what about the tax returns? And it, in terms of him, you know, being shady with women, how about all those women that he 
they said, oh, there was like 17 women that he have accused him of this. But I, I, I don't, well, let, let's hear from him. I, uh, that and the tax returns are my two things to where I'm like, why aren't the Democrats fucking hammering this constantly with this guy? Well, I'm 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 dumb, and you said tax returns fell to the wayside, and they did. I, I I pretty much forgotten about them. How do they get out there if he will not release his own? What well, does it's it still take? in does Supreme it a- Court. It's still in okay. Supreme Court, so I don't think he's cleared of it completely. He did change his resident residency from New York to Florida to yep, kind of to I heard that. dodge some stuff. I mean, that's terrible when your your leader of of your country is doing everything he can to to already change all that. that to me that's that's the kind of person he is it's just a, a complete web of deceit and lies and i think to answer yours jake is all those other things i totally agree the guy while president lost 25 million dollars in a lawsuit for a university that they completely scam people and nobody seems to care that's what i don't get it's everybody's like yeah yeah well oh my god i know i've i've talked about this on here before but it's been a little while I actually met a guy whose whose cousin took one of those courses back in the day, oh. and he said that it was fucking. I mean, as as shitty as they make that thing seem, I the the story that this guy told me from his. I mean, I was hearing it secondhand, but it was just wild. He said the only time Trump was there was he gave like an hour speech at the end of the whole thing, where they would basically for a few, a few days or a week. I, I don't, I don't remember how long he said the thing was, but it was just basically, um, sort of shitty hack versions of the, the Alec Baldwin speech from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> yeah. It would just, it would just be guys giving fucking like, like shitty cliche. Just, you know, what a lot of people don't do is get up and look themselves in the mirror in the morning and say, I'm going to get the sale. Are you going to get the sale? Because I am going to get that sale. A lot of people don't say to themselves, I'm going to be a winner today. And just just stupid, like, what are, you, what are you fucking talking about, dummy? Oh, I never thought about saying I'm going to be a winner today. All my problems are cured. It's a good thing I gave you 10 grand. You know, like, just crazy shit. And then he got up at the end and gave his speech, like, the last day for, like, their, this is their big grand finale kind of deal for this college and he basically, for about 95% of it, just bragged about all the hot women he fucks. Billions. And that was that was the that was the university. That was it. It was just shitty Alec Baldwin impersonators. And then this guy talking about fucking hot women. And he said that his cousin actually went up to him because they were doing like a thing afterward where people were going and shaking his hand and thanking him. These people were brainwashed by it. Oh, yeah. And this is before he ever was like gonna be president or whatever. He was probably still a Democrat at that point. Who knows? You know? But um, the people are still just kissing his ass and doing that. Like the people who took the course, they for some reason thought that was good. They were like, yeah, thank you. I'm going to say to myself that I'm going to be a winner in the mirror in the morning. Never thought about that before. You know, I'm going to move out of my parents' basement. But he said that his cousin knew that he got fucking chipped. He went up to him and just briefly was like, are you serious? Is this all it was? And he just sort of briefly shook his hand, smiled, and blew him off. Like, oh yeah, the people love it. The people love it. And then just went to another handshake. Oh yeah, and that that was it. That's a as the ag- aggressive version of Stuart Smalley. <laughs> You're gonna look at yourself yeah, and say, much. "I'm good enough. I'm smart enough." And doggone it, people like me. People like me. Jake, your sound of, went away. Uh, it's the My re- sound went away. Yeah, we can't hear you. He's oh, still shit. recording. That's the nice thing really? about him recording is uh, he'll get the all yeah. this on his, his end. You guys can't hear me. Prison, uh, and we need to pick up the phone to talk to him through the glass. Hang on one second. (laughs) 
One yep, second. still nothing. All right, can you guys? It was at the end. He got so excited. Up, oh, he's gone. Let's see, I'm still I was going to say it's the opposite recording. of the Bruce Willis speech in the last. Hello, Boy hello, Scout. hello, hello, hello. Yep, back. he's back. Right. The opposite of the Bruce Willis there? speech in the last Boy Scout, where he looks in the mirror and says, "Nobody likes you. Everybody hates you." But now you're, you're smile, you fuck. The problem, because you're going to be echoing on mine unless I can get this Bluetooth guy working. Hang on one second. One second. <laughs> What'd you do? You got so excited you pulled the uh, cord out or something? Kicked the cord out. All right, we're we're good to go. Well, the, yeah, I I had a um like headphones going into the going into the phone. For some reason that that's two fucking audio jacks on me in one night. And these Bluetooths are kind of on their last legs, so I should probably All right, I, I'm good to go. I'm I'm still recording, man. But uh yeah. Well, you'd also notice that uh, Doug and I are very calm and stationary. And <laughs> I thought he had. I thought you had your phone tied to your dog's tail for a second. It was going all over <laughs> the place. No, yeah, well, that, yeah, that's because I had. To, I was unplugging shit and trying to get it to work again. But uh, no, no, yeah, I, during your to, speech, you were you were worked up into a lather. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Oh, it cut out during the during me talking. No, no, no it was at the very end. I was okay. just saying when you said you were. I was saying. You you were moving a lot just in general. You were, Doug and I are seated. We're chill. We're calm. You're, oh, that's you because like... I'm I'm holding my my phone up and it's kind of getting like I just kind of got it resting <laughs> my elbow on the table, so it's going to be a little unsteady. You... Uh, so uh, let's jump topics. Enough Trump talk for a while. Um, this comes up every few years and it's back. Banning books. It's 2020, and uh, Alaska School Board has removed five books. I know where the caged bird sings. <laughs> they think kids still read books. You dumb motherfuckers. That's why Sarah Palin was your governor. <laughs> I can see Russia. The Great Gatsby. I mean, come on. I've read that at least six times. I saw it on the list. I'm like, I should read that again. It is a phenomenal book. What? I hate to say it. It's a great book. Kids don't want to read the Gates. They're going to watch the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, dummy. They're going to go home and watch it on Netflix. And you know what? Here's the thing. Before you ban it, they didn't give a shit about that. You know, none of these little fucking TikTokers were going to go read The Great Gatsby unless they were specifically told to by a teacher. And even then, they were going to cliff note it. Now that you've banned it, they are going to read it three times just because it's outlawed. Now it's fun. I want to read The Great Gatsby now. I didn't give a fuck to read The Great Gatsby before. It's like putting a parental sticker on uh, albums back in the 80s when the PMRC was invented, where before that, I, I remember um, they, they talked about, I don't remember what song it was, but they talked about a Judas Priest song being graphic and horrible, and I knew the Judas Priest song, I owned the album, and I had no clue, so I actually actively listened to it after it made the Parents Music Resource uh, Yeah. PMRC company, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, holy shit, these are horrible lyrics. But I had never listened to them before. I just put Judas Priest on and gone, yeah, rock and rock and fall, roll, heavy fucking metal. I, I never focused on the lyrics until I was told they were bad for me. So you're absolutely <laughs> right. It was once, once right, I yeah. heard those lyrics, I'm like, holy crap, he is talking about fucking throat raping someone with his cock. And then you find out 10 years later it was another guy. It was it was like this double twist. When, when first of all, he's talking about oral sex, and then you find out 10 years later that he, he, he's gay, so good for him. But, yeah. You thought the Catholic Church hated the throat fucking Judas Priest song in the 80s when he was still straight, <laughs> according to most people. We just did that on our podcast the other day. We were talking about all those like metal heads that were into them when they found out they could just like, what? You gotta be shitting me. <laughs> and this guy that wears leather chaps is gay. Yeah, what? with a dog collar on. 
But seriously, I mean, I said it comes up every few years, but why, how, I, I guess I'm just stupid because I'm perpetually confused where I just go, it's, it's 2020. We're still banning books. I, I don't get it. What would be bad yeah, pretty wild, man. about um, The Great Gatsby? I guess I don't know. I, I don't remember anything that would have been horrible in there. But They said sexual content, and I don't remember that. Because, I, I, I mean, Fitzgerald was not going to write a, and then he grabbed her breast and slid himself into her. I mean, there's no scene like that in the book. There's no graphic sex. Let me click on the article again, but it said it's sexual. It's not a Danielle Steele book. Con- yeah, it's not like exactly good, good well, goddamn reference. Well, I think he was such a great author. He was able to he was able to sneak in references that unless you were into BDSM back in the day, you didn't. When he talked about pegging, people in the fifties thought that he was talking about fixing fences. You know, it's it's not until two thousand twenties where everybody knows what the fuck that is. They're like, wait a minute, this bastard was talking about taking a strap on in the ass. We can't be giving this to kids. Sexual references, that's what it is. Gatsby and uh, <laughs> is loaded with, quote, sexual references. Invisible Man has bad language, and Catch-22 includes violence. Hey, what doesn't include violence? Name a movie that doesn't, other than a rom-com. It's, it's, these are, it, I, I hate to, I dare say, intellectual books. I mean, they're... they're you, okay, not that they would have them, but ban all Tom Clancy books. Those all include violence. There's always a shootout at the end of a Tom Clancy mystery thriller. Well, I think the violence thing is a little bit redundant because I, I think it's one of those things where they got called up because of the sex, but they're like, yeah, while you're in here, let's just see if we can get some extra time, you, you know, some extra years tacked on the sentence or whatever for these unpaid parking tickets. Cannibalism, Jeffrey Dahmer, and you got these parking tickets, you know? I think it's one of those things. Well, Hollywood was made on violence. Their earliest movies were made on violence. I mean, you had every episode of, what was that guy's name? Roy Rogers was always somebody stealing something. They were after him. They were going to fight him in a bar. Uh, hell, even the Three Stooges were made on violence. <laughs> well, go back to the very first film, Birth of a Nation. That was racially uh, charged violence. It was an attack on African Americans, so... You're not wrong. Uh, you talk about something that if, if you're going to ban something, it'd be interesting to see if they would think that that movie. Well, but to be fair, they were they were fully clothed, those Klansmen. You know what I mean? <laughs> they kept the robes on. Right, true. They, they weren't filthy. But it'd be interesting to see what they would think of that movie if they should say it should be studied as a work of cinematic art being the first film or the first whatever. Uh, not the first film. You know what I mean? It was the first championed uh, blockbuster or whatever. Um, or if they would say that due to racial insensitivity and that's putting it mildly right I, i'd love to know where the hypocrisy falls in a situation like this because these books all seem to have a point of view whereas generally people like this are okay with shit that like 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 duck dynasty is just the dumbing down of the nation are uh. they okay with 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 something that contains no value just because it's dumb or is it I'm I'm not describing it well. I've got it in my head what I want to say, but I can't spit it out. Money. Someone That's what it comes up. down to. Yeah. Because they looked at that thing as... So when I went to do my TV show in L.A. for hypnosis, I, we did a, a pilot with... Um, or a treatment with Game Show Network. 
I figured out so much about it. It was it all came down to this. What what they can the people that are in there watching your show, they're just looking at it going, "How can I sell freaking ads to this?" And Duck Dynasty was look at the ads they sold on that thing. They're like, they got that those group of people, and they're going, "Let's sell this. This show will sell." Yeah, it's it's a demographic. If you can tell who your demographic is. Um, so it makes it interesting. It goes back to what Jake started with because these books are not uh, Stephen King blockbusters. They are legendary books, but I don't think they sell that much outside of classrooms anymore. I wouldn't. I, I couldn't see how. So it's interesting that, like Jake said, you're targeting things that kids aren't really going to go out and find. Yeah. And I guess their point is, you know, like, we don't want to be pushing this. We, we don't want to push these these thoughts, these books on kids. Yeah, like I said, before they banned it, not a single kid was actually going to read the book. They were going to pretend they read the book and, and, and get the cliff notes. The cliff notes, probably not as sexy as the full book. That's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing the cliff notes, when they're brushing through it, doesn't go, and then he slid his hand underneath or top. Like, that's not in the cliff notes, I swear to God. Well, I also wonder, I made the joke about going back to explicit uh, record labels. I wonder what these kids listen to and or if their parents know what the kids listen to. So they're trying to say, oh, not in the classroom. I bet the songs they listen to contain a fuck ton worse. I forget about the songs. Kids got smartphones now. They have access to gangbangs and beheading (laughs) videos while they're, you know, just behind the desk while the teacher's sitting there going... I can't read section two of the great Gatsby. It's a little fucked up. And they're showing each other. Look at that. He's fucking, he's gurgling blood bubbles out as he's fucking hacking his, look at, look at Jihad Johnny go. Like they're, it's, it's crazy what these kids have, have access to just with a goddamn smartphone. You think great Gatsby's a little fucking crazy? Well, you, you're talking about looking up. Uh, yeah. You, you just said uh, they're looking up beheading videos. They're fucking texting one another, their genitals. You think they can't read a book where uh, the main character is in love with someone that's married to another guy? And uh, like, I don't remember sex in the great Gatsby. I remember a love triangle. I remember romance, but yeah, they're texting genitals to one another. I think they're going to be okay with, yeah. with a love triangle or, or something that doesn't involve sex. Yeah, and that's if they can stay uh, stay focused for more than 140 characters, too, reading a book. You know, after chapter oh, yeah. one, they're like, this uh-huh. is way too slow. Yeah, yeah. that's They read goes. it three sentences at a time. That's, yeah. all, that's all they got the fucking attention span for. And that's why Jake said they go straight to the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. That was made by uh, Baz Luhrmann. I cannot watch Baz Luhrmann films. I fucking hate them because they're just hyper-edited. It's... They, I can't remember the last one I saw, but it's just cut, 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 cut. It's like, it's, they're almost like Michael Bay movies, just series of rapid edits for, for low well, attention. Well, I, I pretty much love anything Leonardo DiCaprio's in. I've not seen that movie. That's I mean, I don't think there's that many Leonardo DiCaprio movies I haven't seen, but I'll be damned if that ain't one of them. He's goddamn solid. He got really lucky that, uh, well, not lucky, but I mean, the fact that he came out of the, the gate big with uh, Titanic. I know he'd been in uh, Gilbert Grape before that and Basketball Diaries. Oh, he Diaries. crushed Gilbert. Yeah, he yeah. was super... Oh, and Bas- I forgot pains. about Basketball Diaries. Yeah. <laughs> Growing pains. <laughs> he, he was... Uh, no, he's he, really fucking yeah. talented, but it's, it's just... Uh, he he could have taken that matinee idol a uh, different direction with Titanic and gone on to be schlocky, but no, he, he yeah. continued making interesting choices. Yeah, I think... Go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? 
I was just going to make a joke. I was going to say, it's the Let's Suck Leonardo DiCaprio's Dick podcast. Well, I, that was him. the original title of the podcast. You thought it was too on the nose. Yeah, well, plus, the, they wouldn't read it either. They were going to ban it in Alaska, so you couldn't do that. Yes. You can't suck Leonardo DiCaprio's dick on a podcast in Alaska. It's part of the state law. Uh, who's, who's reading in Alaska right now, anyways? It's freezing. Mosquito bites. Uh, yeah, only only weather reports and 4chan. That's all they read up there. Well, I had uh, two more news stories I sent your way, a couple things. Oh, uh, I sent you one thing. It wasn't a news story. Uh, this is actually trending on Twitter as we speak. Uh, Otto Warmbier is uh, trending on Twitter because Trump tweeted, like, uh, last week Kim Jong Fat was dead, and now he's uh, alive again. He did a press appearance, and Donald Trump tweeted, uh, "Glad to have him back," or "I'm glad he's okay." Good for him. And so people are jumping on that. They're they're just knee jerk reacting to Trump and saying, "Oh, how do Otto Warmbier's parents feel?" And Jake, you and I talked about this years ago when it happened. Look, sympathy to the family. A horrible thing. Not making light of Otto Warmbier, but it's a big but. When you decide, hey, I'm going to go on spring break to North Korea, and then B, I'm going to get drunk, and then C, I'm going to go steal propaganda from the floor of the hotel I was told not to go to, bad shit's going to happen. Should you be beaten to death? Absolutely not. But when you make a series of bad decisions, you kind of put yourself in harm's way. The biggest bad decision being, I'm going to take spring break to North Korea. Yeah. That... Is also a place that they you don't you can't you you can't even get to the outside world in North Korea, right? There's no internet, there's no nothing. It's all state government ran, right? Oh fuck no, yeah no. There's actually a really good Vice documentary where they um they they go on one of these these trips to North Korea as a tourist, which a friend of mine actually did, by the way. Uh, but yeah, you got to basically go through China, and they keep you in this hotel that's kind of on this little island thing in their capital or whatever, and you're just sort of locked in there at night. They drive you straight to whatever monument or site they want you to see, and then they drive you back. There's no just exploring the place on your own. It's here's what you do. Here's a long list of shit you can and can't do. And yeah, obviously the kid didn't deserve what he got. But that being said, the North Korea is the worst place to get drunk and have a spring break rager, bro. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. Delta Kappa, all of us next year. We'll, we'll, we'll all go to North Korea. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the story was he went, to, he went to a floor of the hotel. Like you said, you're supposed to be locked in your room. He left. He went somewhere he wasn't supposed to go, and he tried to steal propaganda. He wanted a souvenir. He wanted something to bring home. Bad fucking idea. Bad, bad fuck. Now, should uh, – and I, I hate to defend the guy. I hate to. I get what Trump is trying to do. Trump loves – you know, buttering people up, especially other dictators. He loves praising Putin. He loves, you know, praising King Jum Fat. So, of course, right, he's going right. to say, you know, that that's he it hasn't changed in three years. So it's not a surprise. I think people just want to react and be angry at anything Trump does. So when he tweets, they have to react. They have to show how they're better than everyone. They have to like, oh, I hate Trump so much that now I'm going to tweet. What about Otto Warmbier? You know, like they they need something to react to constantly show Trump how much they dislike him. I don't like him, but I also have a life. I'm going to look at his tweet and go, eh, and move on with my life. Deflection. Yeah, but auto warm beer aside, I still think it's a bad look 
just sort of buttering up to the, and I get that he lives in this, this schmormy kind of uh, business guy. We're going to golf together and we're, you know, and and he's just treating other countries leaders as if they're just, you know, maybe other CEOs and some of the, the companies we're more friends with some of them we're rivals with, but we all kind of, it's like, yeah, but it's a little more to it when you're dealing with leaders. And it's like, I, I don't want, you know, I, I get that. And I'm not one of these people who sits there and fucking bashes Trump for trying to be diplomatic because I, I, you know, the right did that to Obama when he was trying to get the, um, and he did get a nuclear deal with Iran. That's oh, he's in bed with Iran. It's like, he should be trying to get North Korea to have less nukes diplomatically. I think that's a fucking good thing. I think overall, that's a good thing he's doing in North Korea. That being said, you have to do it without being too schmarmy and kiss assy at the same time. I mean, that being said, another reason I am I am not happy that Kim Jong-un recovered from this. I wanted him to die so that his sister would take over and we would eventually get to see Trump going over there and inappropriately flirting with the new female head of North Korea. I wanted that video. I wanted him just sort of flirting with her, making some sort of weird comment about, yeah, she's very beautiful, very attractive, just like my daughter, and just, just something weird, you know, just something weird <laughs> and sexual involving the female head of North Korea. I wanted that. I wanted that soundbite. It was going to be one of the funniest things he was ever going to do as a president. I would have enjoyed that. And plus, he knows her husband's not around anymore, right? Didn't uh, her brother have him killed? <laughs> oh, did he? I think her brother or her. Ooh, I'm I think, sensing some Game of Thrones shit here. I think the brother-in-law got got murdered. I think I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm thinking some Lannister fun time is going on. I'm thinking he got he got jealous. You know, maybe. Oh, so maybe she was the one that uh, tried to botch his surgery. The plot thickens. Maybe so, she uh, Gangnam tried style. to hire the surgeons. Or whatever happened. We don't know what happened. We'll never know what happened. It's such a closed society that they can say anything. They could say he just had bad gas or that he was on vacation or we will never know. Probably. <laughs> he had bad, bad pizza roll. Yeah. Something. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, start wrapping this up. Uh, Doug, repeat your website and, uh, you are sleepy. You are sleepy, and I have a podcast that's on YouTube called uh, Running in the Dark, so you can look that up. There's a few episodes out that we just started doing. So, What's the gist of it? We obviously do politics here. What is the gist of Running in the Dark? Well, it's me and a buddy from that we trained together from jiu-jitsu. Uh, is it one it, of Jake's brothers? Is it one of Jake's brothers? It's not. <laughs> it's not, but we're going to try and get one of them on there. Uh, ours, ours, basically, we compare people... Um, it's really, we just kind of compare people like movie stars. Like the other day we were talking about who's, who was bigger. And you guys think about this. Who was a bigger actor? Who's bigger in the world? Will Smith or Denzel Washington? Who would you consider a bigger movie star? I would say in, in the world, I would probably have to give it to Will Smith just for, for two reasons, especially if we're talking now, because Denzel Washington's not in as, as much like right. he was about 10 years ago. Also, it the stuff that tends to go over really well in terms of numbers internationally is the blockbuster action stuff because Spider-Man is still Spider-Man with subtitles because that's about the the flashiness, the special effects, all of that. And I just off the top of my head, I feel like Will Smith has been 
in more of those kind of movies that are going to be a bigger hit with broad audiences internationally than Denzel Washington. Whereas if you're talking like film critics and shit, like, oh, they, 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 their performance in Fences. It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen him or any actor do for that matter. But I probably not that many people saw it in, in, in Beijing. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I, was, uh, I would say the exact same thing. I actually... Uh, not know them off the top of my head, but the, as far as movie grosses go, um, Will Smith is above and beyond Denzel worldwide. And I think I, I remember reading that the Equalizer was actually a breakout role for Denzel worldwide. And the Equalizer is only a few years old. It's like way late in his career. Whereas Will has been a worldwide star since forever, just kicking it. Well, with, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Will Smith does more actions. Yeah. Denzel and that's why. Right, dramas. right, right. Yeah. No, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, right. that's just the way that goes. You know, Denzel does the Oscar roles. Uh, uh, Will Smith does the blockbuster roles that are actually going to get picked up in other countries in terms of, you know, mass viewing. And so, yeah, worldwide, it's it's probably going to be World's, or, uh, Will Smith. But even though, like, there, that's that's one of the things that we like to talk about, too, is you don't realize that Will Smith has had some huge dramatic roles, like with uh, seven, oh, yeah. seven Pounds and that CTE one, that concussion. Yeah. I mean, Pursuit those of are happiness. Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. And you don't do He crushes it with, with, with dramatic roles too. But I'm saying that like, those aren't the ones that are going to be huge. Yeah. In- Independence day, bad boy. Right. Those are the ones yeah. that definitely uh-huh. set him set him ablaze. But yeah, we just did one with Travolta and Nicholas Cage. So just stuff like that about, you know, how many movie, you know how many credits Nicholas Cage has? Any Dude, I love Nicholas Cage. Well, I mean, since he uh, since his tax filing problems, probably <laughs> three or four a year, I would guess. Yeah, he's got a hundred and three, hundred and three. I mean, that is incredible how many he's had. But yeah, well, well I he's mean, he's got he, movies that are fucking drama roles that I that I love too. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Um, the, bringing out the dead, that was a great one. Lord of War. I mean, yeah, he's leaving Las Vegas. A, right. Yeah. Raising Arizona. Are you kidding? We got oh, ourselves a family that. here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, raising no, it was Arizona more of a fantastic. comedy, but again, I, that's not his fucking typecast role by any means, and he, and he crushed it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I was making a joke, but I was not kidding. When his tax problems hit, he started doing oh, several... Yeah. He is nonstop working because he has oh, to yeah, pay the government. Movie star he's now. just doing yeah. straight to, to video. I mean, he just, boom, he just oh, bangs him out. I don't know how much he gets for each one, but the guy does not take a day off anymore. He is just paying the government, paying the government, paying the government. Yeah. Definitely. So that's what ours entails. Just stuff like that. Find right. ourselves going What's down the name one again, man? Uh Running in the dark. Nice, nice. So we just that's- do video and uh, audio. I got to put it on a, a platform. I put it on SoundCloud, but you can't. You got to pay for that. What do you? So, uh, audio booms. I think who we're gonna go with. So you got to pay for that too, but. Not as much. We're on SoundCloud. Our, our bill comes due uh, this month or at the end of this month. It's not that bad. It's a buck fifty a year for their pro service. Right, right, and right. It just saves everything. So, so listeners, if you want to start your own, you can uh, put it on uh, either Boom or SoundCloud. But uh, that's it for now. Thanks for tuning in, Doug. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, thanks uh, for give, having me. Yeah, thanks for being on, man. Put uh, Jake's it. brothers in a headlock when you get back to yeah, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Kick their asses, man. <laughs> and it, that doesn't happen. <laughs> YouAreSleepy.com. Uh, you are not not the words, but the letter U, the letter R. Sleepy.com. JakeVever.com. NathanTimmel.com. And uh, that's what we got for you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Later. Later. <laughs>